Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out. It's the ultimate in commercial broker training. You can learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, we're continuing our series, of course, on the topic of the time, uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, and its impact on the economy, on tenants, on businesses, on commercial real estate, on lenders, on us all. And we're taping this show as of today, what is this, the uh, 6th of April, and I, and I tell you that because it may change tomorrow, right? We don't know. Well, I like to reach out to my uh, experts and get their opinion on what they're seeing in the marketplace, and I've done just that. Please welcome Anthony Graziano. He is CEO and Chairman of Integra Realty Resource, and he's joining us on video. Anthony, Mr. Real Estate, how are you today? Good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon. Are you guys faring okay through this time? We are faring well. A lot easier to be uh, in South Florida this time of the year. You know, we're not holed up in the house the entire time. We're at least able to go out and enjoy some sunshine in the backyard. So it's not too bad. Yeah, that's great. Well, as, as, as my guest, I mean, my audience may know, uh, you guys have uh, appraisal offices, you do valuation, research, advisory uh, all over the country with offices. And uh, you do a great report every year with an outlook. And, um, and when I, and I reached out to you and I, m one of my thoughts was, you know, what is going on right now? What are people doing? You know, what is happening? And I think that's what everybody wants to know. And lo and behold, you guys are out there doing uh, interviews with market participants right now. We are. So, okay. So I guess my first qu question before we get to that is, can you do an appraisal right now? How, how are you underwriting that? Sure. Uh, it's a good question uh, and, and one that's been asked and what's the value of it, right? What's the reliability of a real estate appraisal and all the prior data that you're looking at uh, is based on market conditions that are completely different than those we've been operating under in the last two and a half weeks. Um, it's a question worth asking, but it also sort of addresses the old adage, you know, what good is a real estate appraiser? They're always backward looking. Uh, at the end of the day, this is when we're the most valuable, right? I mean, part of what we're trying to do is to understand what's happening in the market, what the market perceptions are. Um, clearly, we have a baseline of what's been happening in the past, but what's happening right now, real time, is what we're actively working on. And there's going to be a short time period here where we're not going to see a lot of transactions, which means we're going to have to use judgment, uh, judgment based on our experience, judgment based on what we know have happened in past cycles. Uh, judgment based on the specific conditions and location and geography of the assets we're appraising today and how they may be impacted. You know, it's not uh, universally equal, uh, all of the various impacts uh, across property type or even necessarily geography. So this is really when we get paid to do the right work. And, and the most important thing is for us to be out in the market, talking to professionals, interfacing with our colleagues and peers who are also talking to the market and really gain an understanding of what the probable duration and impact could be based on the best available information at the time. Uh, at the end of the day, the appraisals are uh, an opinion of value as of a date certain, and if conditions materially either get better or deteriorate, you know, the level of reliability of that appraisal may vary, but based on what we know on the date we're doing the appraisal, our goal is to say, what does everybody think is gonna happen? What is everybody's view on what the duration of this is gonna be and what the impacts are? Yeah, and I was uh, reading the Appraisal Institute's uh, kind of guidelines, and 
looks like, you, you know, obviously you have leeway to do it. I was reading the uh, federal guidelines for essential services, and it looks like for, uh, for financing purposes, for capital markets, um, you know, you guys are essential services, right? Yeah, the real estate, uh, the appraisal institute's actually done a really good job uh, building a list state by state as these statewide stay-at-home orders have been implemented. Uh, most of the states are exempting real estate appraisers as an essential service to be able to continue to keep the capital markets uh, going. And although Integra primarily does commercial real estate valuation uh, for, for underwriting, we don't do a ton of, of residential appraisals. You know, I can tell you that the keeping the residential appraisal market moving is important as well. So um, we are considered to be essential services. That being said, you know, I've been in touch with many of my colleagues from national firms uh, over the last two weeks and even in the area firms. And most appraisers are suited to be working remotely. Um, so most of us have gone remote, sent our people home to work remotely, knowing that we're going to have to be out in the field looking at properties, at the very least doing exterior inspections and driving neighborhoods. Uh, we generally have exemptions to do that so we can continue to work, uh, but we are making accommodations. We're talking to the people at, at the real estate about whether they would like to take the photographs, do they have any prior conditions reports we can review, trying to minimize our contact, even though we have exemptions. Uh, we don't want to put our people at risk, and we certainly don't want to put our, our clients or our clients' borrowers at risk. So yeah. uh, we're taking a measured approach. We're doing the best we can. At the end of the day, we're probably getting as good of access uh, to, this, to this real estate at this time that we're doing the appraisal as anybody that would buy or sell it. So uh, you know, we, we think we've got a good, good balance there. Our senior housing group has some, some more severe uh, restrictions because we don't want to be entering into properties with elderly residents or comp immunocompromised uh, healthcare type facilities. But generally, you know, we're doing exterior inspections. We're still, we're still running our business. Yeah, you know, and the date, uh, as we mentioned uh, in the opening here, we're you're dating the show, the dates in the show title right now because things can change. You know, what uh, is is important today uh, in two weeks, the property, you know, seemingly that a property could be worth less or worth more. Uh, the yeah. date's probably more important than ever before. Uh, and so let's talk about um, um, your interviews uh, with market participants. So, um, you know, what, for example, let's look at developers. You know, what are they doing when you talk to them? So far, the developers have been, uh, you know, pretty encouraged, I guess, by, by where, where they sit in the, uh, in the lending chain in the sense that their development loans have been placed and they're continuing. About 60% of the developers say that they're not stopping work. They're going to continue working to, where, to the extent that they can. Now, obviously, there's a certain percentage where the stay-at-home orders have impacted their ability to continue, but most of them say they're going to resume. And I say most, 60% of the people that are of the developers that had to stop developing say they will resume in the next 90 days. Uh, in a couple of the interviews that I've done, well, very interestingly, the developers tell me, you know, unlike normal past recessions when there's capital market concerns, uh, the developers usually are the ones that get the first calls, right? They're on the front lines of concerns over what's going to happen. Uh, almost just the opposite in this case, because everybody's looking at the development time horizon and saying, hey, this project's not going to be done for 18 months, 24, 36 months. COVID-19 will be over by then. So the developers uh, are going to continue to move. The banks are going to continue to fund uh, those developments so far as we can see. Obviously, I'm sure in the coming 6, 12 months, they're going to start to look at those forward projections of what it's going to be worth when it's finished. But right now, the immediate concern is the, is the income-producing cash-flowing properties uh, that are having short-term interruptions in, in cash flow. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And it makes sense. Uh, I know we're doing some um, uh, new leases right now and they're kind of in the planning stages of the uh, um, design and, and, and starting to get construction bids. And there's really kind of no concern seeing anybody. Everything's just kind of moving along because they won't move in for four to six months anyway. That's right. um, so, so a little similar. Well, what are lenders doing? I know that uh, some of these lenders have gotten some breaks from Fannie and Fannie uh, from the regulators. So if they do have some uh, problems with borrowers and they do some forbearance, you know, they're not put in uh, bad loan categories. And I guess some of that's going on, but what, what are the lenders telling you? Sure. So uh, nobody said it yet, but I, you know, we're fully expecting sort of a massive blend and extend over the next 30 to 45 days. Uh, it's clearly in the best interest of the banks to make reasonable forbearance uh, uh, consideration for borrowers that clearly this, this was not an operating problem. This was not a market problem. It's not, a, it's not an underwriting problem. This is just clearly a, a you know, market conditions issue. So I think a lot of the banks are trying to, to understand what the level of the impact is because I don't think they want to blend until they understand what that blend should be. Um, that being said, you know, 80 plus percentage of the 80 percent of the banks we interviewed so far said they're still lending. There have been a handful of banks, uh, Bank United, as an example, here in Florida that said they're not doing any lending until May 1st. Um, there's been a few banks that have drawn the line and said we're not lending until a date forward. But about 80 percent of the banks said we're still open. Capital still available. We're going to try and get deals done. A uh, couple of caveats there. So some of the banks now are saying, many of the large lenders, uh, the large national lenders are saying, look, uh, we're available to do lending, but we're really going to give preference to our primary customers. Um, if you're a customer of the bank, if you have deposits with the bank, uh, you have a relationship with the bank, we're open. Uh, we're not taking on new customers at the moment, unless there's going to be a major relationship change, you're going to move all your money over. So the banks are getting, uh, I think, a little bit more selective. They're really trying to figure out where they're going to go. That being said, uh, you know, the Treasury stimulus bill that, that passed last week, um, basically the banks aren't doing anything right now except working on PPP. Um, the the pay, Paycheck Protection Plan uh, issued by Treasury has put the banks in a small business application cycle uh, where a substantial amount of their manpower over the last week has been just dedicated to PPP, trying to digest what the stimulus means and, and get the money out out to small businesses because the banks also know that funding the small businesses is what's going to allow rent to get paid and mortgages to get paid. So it's kind of like the banks are on the front line of this and they're, they're working extremely hard um, and they're, they're really trying to demonstrate some leadership here. The banks are you know, well capitalized at this point, but there obviously is some concern. A lot of businesses are drawing down on credit lines uh, and money is, uh, is moving and debt is uh, going to be a tool, but it's not going to be the only available tool, but the banks are, are working hard. And, and I would suspect next 30 days that you're going to start to see loan modifications and forbearance agreements and, you know, the, the beginning of understanding of what, what's happened to the values in terms of re-benchmarking values. That's interesting. So uh, what do you think will happen for um, law firms um, and for, for folks like you that uh, do litigation support on the advisory side um, do, you, do you expect uh, an increase there in that type of business? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's uh, always there's always two sides to, to misery, right? I mean, there's some people that, that benefit from it, and, and it's it's just the way it is. But you need the services. A lot of the law firms that we spoke to are ramping up their bankruptcy departments. Uh, a lot of the law firms that deal with 
uh, real estate law are looking at inverse condemnation claims and saying, look, how long can the government institute an emergency action uh, to when it's not considered a taking? Uh, there's, there's a lot of legal issues here. I will tell you, you know, the attorneys have been working uh, and everybody, again, pretty easy for the attorneys to work remotely at home. What hasn't been as smooth is court filings and permit filings, the government offices are closed, the courts are closed. So the attorneys are working. The problem is they're, they're missing about 30 or 40% of, of the other side of the equation that keeps them moving. So um, that's part of the jam up. I think that'll loosen up over the next 30 days. Some of the courts now are working remotely. Um, and so I, I think that'll start to get a little bit better as those uh, people adjust. But from, from our perspective on the litigation side, we expect certainly to see, unfortunately, uh, you know, a rise in bankruptcies, a rise in special servicing. Um, and it's a market that we have good competency in. Uh, and we're here for the market as you need us. I hope you don't, but, uh, you know, it's probable that you will. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess a lot of that depends on, you know, how long is this economy uh, shut down in the U.S. Uh, and in other countries. So when you ask your market participants about, I guess the jury's out, we, no one knows how long this is going to take. But, but right. what, what are you hearing? What, are they, what do people think? So, you know, you make a great point. So no one knows how long this is going to take. And that's part of what gives people a lack of confidence in understanding what anything means. Because you could very easily say, well, no one really knows. But what's important to us is not what people know, it's what they believe. What, what is the current sentiment? Because that's what drives the behavioral activity today. So if everybody believed that, if, that this was gonna be solved tomorrow, then this wouldn't have a very big impact, right? Because people would say, well, don't worry, by tomorrow, this is gonna be worked out. And if everybody believed that we were gonna find a, a miracle cure or vaccine in the next two weeks, the impacts over the next two weeks may not go as deeply. So the question is, what do people believe? And so what we surveyed um, and what we're gonna to continue to survey on is, when do you believe we will, we will resume normal business conditions? Now that means different things to different people, depending on where you are and what your perspective is in the world. But right now, 37% of our respondents expect the resumption of normal business activity by the end of quarter of this year. By the uh, end 15, of- By the end of second end quarter of 2020. Second quarter. Yeah. So 37% of them think are fairly optimistic that this is going to last for a few months and then we're going to get back to business. Another 17% say this is going to take till the end of the third quarter. Another about 25% say the end of 2020. And then the balance, which is about 20 plus or minus percent, say this could be extended into 2021 and beyond. So about a quarter, a little bit, little bit less than a quarter of the people think this is going to take the rest of the year. And then everybody else thinks it's going to be anywhere from three months to nine months uh, until this gets resolved. Naturally, as time goes on, people are going to revise those estimates. And, you know, it's my hope that there is some news event that says, oh, this is getting, you know, this is getting better. Uh, right now, the news just seems to be getting worse. Uh, but that's part of the psychology, right? Part of the psychology of this is, you know, what, what can we see? And uh, I will tell you right now, a lot of people want it to be over in a couple of months, but the majority of people think it's going to take longer than the end of the second quarter of 2020. Yeah, and here we are at April 6th as we're, we're talking today. And you mentioned kind of that uh, your question was involving you know, normal business activities. What, what type of uh, trends do you think uh, we could see from kind of the impact of this uh, downturn? Yeah, you, you were telling me uh, about uh, uh, who, who had a relative that, that had a history. Sure. Yeah, I, I tell the story, and I've told it for different reasons in the past, but, you know, my grandfather 
I was probably about 17 or 18 years old and I was at his house and he asked me to get some coffee and I went into his pantry and he had about 90 cans, two pound cans of coffee in there. And I said, Gramps, why do you have so much coffee? He says, well, I buy it every time it's on sale. I buy four or five cans. I said, I know, but you know, you're 82 years old. You have enough coffee here until you're 105. I mean, how much more coffee do you need? And he said, listen, Anthony, he said, during the Great Depression, sugar and butter and coffee were rationed. And he said, I can live without sugar or butter, but I'll never, I never want to live without coffee again. Now, this was in the 80s. So, uh, uh, you know, it affected him for 50 years. He changed his behavior. And I will say, I, I think what we have to expect, if we're really logical and rational about people's behavior, this is going to result in a long-term behavioral change. And it's not going to be a three-month or a six-month, and then everybody forgets that this happened. I think that uh, there are some good behaviors that we've established, right? A lot of more people are spending time with their family, uh, eating at home, uh, taking care of themselves, thinking, thinking about their neighbors, being kind. And it's not just a hurricane in one area of the country where you know, a certain segment of the population becomes charitable and feels good. This is a whole world, right? This is really uh, the first time that the world has challenged the problem together. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, we can show the best of humanity, and I'm hopeful that to the extent that our behaviors change, more of them change in a good direction. Um, but I will say it's, it's going to be, it's difficult for me today to envision people, even if we say we're gonna resume normal business activities, I'd say, okay, well, maybe back to work. Uh, certainly I'm gonna have a, a meeting one-on-one or a meeting with eight or 10 people once I feel like this is reasonably under control. But am I gonna rush out and go to a stadium? Uh, am I gonna go to a music festival in New Orleans? Or am I gonna get on an airplane and fly to a foreign country? How long until that? normal business activity remains. And when you take that to its conclusion, uh, I think you have to reasonably expect that this is gonna have some longer term impacts. Uh, hopefully measured, uh, hopefully not dramatic, but again, that's a lot of hope baked in there. Uh, yeah. Obviously the wild card is if somebody comes up with a reasonable vaccine or a reasonable uh, remedy that, that cuts the death rate, um, can, can develop some herd immunity so people don't catch uh, this virus in the short term, then that changes everything. And I think, you know, so there are certainly a lot of people that are taking a contrarian view and saying, hey, I think somebody's gonna come up with a solution on this really quick. And the whole world's gonna have over, uh, you know, taken so much of a deep discount and I'm gonna make a lot of money. So, you know, that's good. I think it's good to have a balance of people, but at the end of the day, this is gonna change behaviors for a while. And I think we have to be prepared for that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you look at the um, housing downturn we had several years ago where a lot of people lost their homes and. You know, I think that's one of the things that kind of changed the trend to, to a lot more people renting than you know, when they saw their parents, you know, being foreclosed on and that sort sure. of thing. That stuff just doesn't go away. Uh, at the same time, you talk about, you know, going out to events and everything. I think people feel a little cooped up now. It'd be interesting, too. There might be a surge of people really wanting to get out and do things and be around people and really appreciative of those opportunities uh, moving forward. So, yes, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah. Well, Look, I, I absolutely believe in the theory that there's going to be a tremendous amount of pent-up demand uh, for going out to dinner and, you know, getting out of the house and doing things. Uh, but I, I, I think that a lot, when you look at it, I think a lot of the pent-up demand is actually to just do something different than sitting around the house doing what you're doing. And I think that some of the natural places to benefit from that, certainly restaurants, once they get back up and running, but... Uh, I think it's going to be at a level of occupancy that's different than what we're used to. I don't think that the government is just going to automatically wake up one day and say, everybody go back to the bars and go back out to the restaurants. 
Um, I think we're going to have, we're going to do it in a measured way. I think you're going to see implementation of sort of occupancy standards, continued distancing over time. Um, so that pent up demand then is going to benefit things like marinas where there's some natural distancing built in, um, RV parks, um, th things where you can participate, you're out of the house, but you've got distance between you and, and the people next to you. But uh, I definitely believe there's going to be pent up demand. The question is just psychologically, how are we going to act on it? Yeah, that's a good point. I live on Lake Lanier and uh, it was very busy yesterday. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, if you want, Michael, when this is all over, I'll come up to Lake Lanier and I'll go out on your boat with you and, and we'll be far enough from everybody else. We'll be good. There you go. Good. Just so you're tested before you get up here. I'll be, I'll be tested. I'll be tested. <laughs> well, what would you leave our audience with, Anthony, related to what they should think about today? Uh, here we are, April 6th, about all this. Sure. Um, look, I've, I've told my company, uh, I told my company this uh, two weeks ago, and, and I very much meant it. I think it's very important that we keep uh, an optimistic view that uh, we will overcome this. And I think that it's really important that we not be so optimistic that we pretend this isn't happening, both in terms of how we deliver value and how we deliver and how sensitive we are with one another about, you know, the kids running in the back of the webcam or the dog barking in the background, right? We've all become a little bit more, we, we have to give each other a break. We'll be a little easier on, on ourselves. But I also think we have to be practical. I don't think it does us any good uh, to look forward and say, well, I think this is going to be over in two or three weeks, because I don't think that's a rational uh, conclusion to reach based on all of the things that we see laid out before us. Uh, I think we have to be compassionate. I think we have to be sensible. And I think if we don't overreact and we don't underreact, we just behave according to the best thing in the, in the best interest of, of our families and our companies. And I'll give you an example. You know, I told everybody in, in Integra Realty Resources over the last two weeks, you don't have to send your people home, but you should. Mm -hmm. um, it's your choice. You do what's right for you and for your families and the people that you manage in each of our 58 locations. But just understand, this is coming and eventually you will have to shut down. And when you do, if you've already shoot, shut down, then you'll be prepared. You'll know it works. You'll have practiced. Uh, it worked out really well. Most of our offices shut down about a week before their state mandated that they do so. Um, we've been in communication every week. We have a senior managing director meeting every Monday and we talk about what's happening around the country. Um, we're getting good information by sharing information. So be optimistic, be realistic, communicate, share. I think if we all do that, we're going to be much better for it. Well, good advice. Anthony Graziano, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you, Michael. I look forward to seeing you again. All right. And thank Take you care. for joining us uh, around the country. Uh, we sure appreciate your comments and sharing and, uh, and connect with us uh, on your favorite social media. We'll continue kind of this Corona time coverage where we're doing more shows. We had, we threw out all these shows that were scheduled and threw them in the trash can <laughs> uh, because they didn't matter anymore. Let's talk about what's going on now. How do we deal with it? What's the future look like? So uh, stay tuned for more shows until, until not, I won't say until next week, I'm just saying until next show, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's commercial real estate show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm 
doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.